too long. I might be tempted to fill out all those blanks that I give you every week. But I want to keep it really simple this morning. And if you think about something that is simple, it doesn't mean it's shallow. It can still be really special, and that really is the message of Christmas. It's, it's simple. It's not shallow. It's, it has a very special meaning. And so this morning what I want to do, I just want to very simply give you three words to kind of summarize the message of Christmas as well as the message of the music we heard this morning. And I want to give you the three R's, and it's, it's not reading, writing, arithmetic, which aren't really spelled by the letter R, but uh, I want to give you these words. I want to give you the words, the reason, the reality, and the response. And I really believe if uh, you really get a handle on what those really mean in relationship to Christmas, then you'll be ready for Christmas. And, and so this morning I want to talk about what's so simple and what's so special about Christmas. And, and the first word I want to give you is the reality of Christmas. There's all kinds of songs that are sung during this time of year and verses that might be quoted, and we've quoted a number of verses in the songs and as well as at the Advent ta- uh, table today. And it really means absolutely nothing unless it's, it's really true, unless it's really real, unless there's a reality to the Christmas story. Uh, one of the biographers of the life of Jesus, we call him a writer of one of the Gospels, Luke, as he began his history of the man Jesus, he said, I'm writing these things specifically so you might know the exact truth about the things you've been taught or have, have heard. And so then he went on in in great detail to talk about not only the Christ of Christmas, but the Christ of all those years in Palestine when he said things and did things that just amazed people. And he he wanted people to know the truth. And so this morning, I, I want to emphasize to you that as we gather for Christmas services and special events, we're convinced that Christmas is real. There's a reality to what we believe. I was reading a number of years ago a journalist who was the legal journalist for the Chicago Tribune, and he's read a number of books over the last number of years, but one of his his newer, or one of his books that were really foundational was a little booklet called The Case for Christmas. And as he struggled to write that book, actually he had a conclusion he had come before he had actually done the investigative work. His desire was to to prove that there was a reality to Christmas. And for no other reason, his wife was on the other side of that equation. And I don't know any healthy male or lawyer that doesn't want to be more right than his wife, right? And so his his wife was convinced that it was a reality to Christmas, and he wasn't convinced. And and so he went to lengths to disprove what his wife had now been caught up in, some kind of a, a religious cult. And as he ended up his research, he discovered that there were at least four reasons why he was convinced that Christmas is real. And he put it this way in his little booklet. He said that the four evidences that convinced me that there's a reality of Christmas is, number one, the eyewitness evidence, the biographies of the life of Jesus. And the second reason was the scientific evidence for the truth of the biographies or the stories about Jesus. And then he said, it's the profile evidence of the life of Jesus and then the fingerprint evidence to the life of Jesus. Now, because this message is going to be simple, which means it's not going to be too long, I won't go through details of all that he wrote, but, but among other things, as he looked at the eyewitness evidence, he said, you know, these people who, 
who wrote these stories or these historical accounts of the life of this man named Jesus, it wasn't some kind of mystical or mythological writings of some people who want to just weave a great idea about someone that might be of interest to others. These were people who saw it personally, or they were in context with others who had experienced it personally. And, and the accounts were written so close to the actual events that it, it, it seems to be an indication that maybe these stories weren't just made up, but they were actually real and true, or they would have had so many other people who would discounted what they had written. And so he said the eyewitness evidence about the life of Jesus is compelling. And then he says, I think there's scientific evidence for the life of Jesus being a, a reality. And he said, among the scientific reasons, it would be the, the archaeological evidence that back up that Jesus really did come 2,000 years ago. And, and whether you take the, the, the reliability of the historical writers, Luke being one of them, and, you know, if, if ever I was to make sure that I didn't want to be contradicted in a in a statement or a, a message I was to give or something I would write, I would make sure that, that I would limit the details of what I had to say so there'd be less things to attack. And as you look at Luke, as he wrote in his gospel and as he wrote in the book of Acts, he, he said a lot of things that, that could be disproved if they weren't true. Uh, for instance, he, he made mention of, of 32 countries, 54 cities, and nine islands. And as you do the evidence archaeologically, you can see all those things were affirmed as actually being true. And even the names of the people in the, uh, in the Christmas story, whether it be Herod the Great, and, and there's archaeological evidence that he did reign and live during this time of Jesus. Or even as you look at the census, and, and for a while many people thought, that well, the census can't be true because you can't compel people to go to their city of birth and, and, and be accounted for. And yet... They have discovered archaeologically that senses like that were common and were used during that day. And, and so why should we be in the, believe in the reality of Christmas? Is because uh, there's eyewitness accounts. There are archaeological, scientific reasons to believe it's, it's an authentic story. And then quickly, two other reasons. He said, well, it's, it's a profile evidence. And this is really compelling to me in a number of different ways. But if, if the story of Christmas, and it was shared so beautifully this morning by the choir that the Word is a reference to, to God became flesh, which is the, the story of God becoming man and living among us. And if you ask yourself the question, well, if God did become a man, what would he be like? Well, I can tell you right now, he wouldn't be like me. <laughs> and also, I like to say he wouldn't be like you either. But, um, but he would be just like who? Just like Jesus. And so as you begin to just wrestle with it, is there, a is, there, is there a really evidential reason to believe it's, it can be found in the eyewitness accounts, the, the archaeological evidence, the, the profile, and even the fingerprints, all the prophecies that were, that were stated hundreds and hundreds of years before the promised one, the Christ, was to come, and they were meticulously fulfilled in the life of Jesus. The simple and special message of Christmas is there's a reality. It's true. It's genuine. It's authentic. 
But you do have to ask yourself the question, well, what's the reason for Christmas? Is it, and there's been many surveys done among people who are looking forward to this time of year. And what are the reasons for Christmas? And it's, it's a great reason or excuse to get the family together. It's a great opportunity to, to hear music that you like to hear, which is very joyful and celebrative. It's an opportunity to maybe eat more food than you should eat even after Thanksgiving. Yeah, whatever the reason, you know, there's all kinds of reasons behind people celebrating Christmas. But what are the reasons for Christmas? You, you can find them in the names, you know, Jesus, which means he came to save us from our sin. You can look at the name of Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so, so Christmas is all about God sending himself so that our sins could be saved from. God came so that he could be not around us, but with us. And there's even a fuller story that he can live within us. Or you can just take the example of those those wise men, the magi. We don't really know how many were in that little group that came to, to follow the star. But when they found Jesus... They came, as they say in their own words, to worship him. So, so the reasons for Christmas is that, that, that we not, not just believe in a great store because it's real, but it compels us to know that God has a purpose for our lives. He wants us to know him. He wants to deal with that which separates us from him, which, which is our sin, which is just a... A religious word to say those things that we've done that are wrong, that break the heart of God, that keeps us from relationship with Him. And until that is settled, we're on the outside looking in, that we're far from God because none of us deserve on our own to be in His presence. The Bible calls that the holiness of God, and we are so unlike Him. Jesus came so that that which separates us from God, our sin, can be forgiven because of his payment for our sin on the cross. So what's the simple and special message of Christmas? It's the reality of Christmas. It's the reasons for Christmas. But we can't leave you without understanding that there is the response to Christmas. The Bible is very clear that that as we think about what God has done, He has done everything necessary for us to have a relationship with Him. And now He leaves us with a choice, a decision. And just as Lee Strobel wrestled with the reality of Christmas and then he came to the conclusion that it's real, but he still was not at that point where he wanted to surrender his life to the Christ of Christmas. He was convinced not only because of the evidence, but also the evidence of his wife being changed and still loving him in the midst of how, how sometimes difficult he was and, and living with. And, and so he saw the reality of, of Christ changing a life, but he, he didn't know if he wanted to make that change. God invites us to come to him. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will, I will give you rest, but you need to come. And John, one of the biographers of Jesus, it says there that, that as we reflect upon the response in that day, it says, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him, which is 
also often the response of people in our day as well. They, they hear about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Jesus many, many times before. But you're still on the outside looking in. But then there's the opportunity or invitation. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The reality of Christmas is it actually happened. The reasons for Christmas is God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to forever deal with that which separates us from him, which is our sin. But the response to Christmas is that we must believe. We must choose to not believe that we know better than God knows. We must choose to believe that that our sin is not that bad. We must choose to believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can save us from our sin. Just yesterday, one of our neighbors uh, talked to my wife and said, are you, are you ready for Christmas? Anybody hear that question so far this year? Are you ready for Christmas? And usually the answer is, I'm never completely ready for Christmas. And maybe you might not get all the cards written, get all the things baked. I don't bake anything, but Alice bakes, you know. Uh, all the gifts purchased and wrapped and ready to be sent out. But you can be ready for Christmas right now. If you'll respond to Christmas. Respond to the simple and special clear message. That God invites you to know him. To turn from your sin, which is another R word, repent. And say, I believe in Jesus. It was sung many times this morning. As my Savior and my Lord. Deal with the sin in my life because I confess it to you and say, I don't want to live that way. But I want you to lead my life. That's what it means that Jesus is Lord, that he is to be the leader of your life. And, you know, how does that begin? Again, it begins very simple. It begins at a point in time where you're saying, this is the day I want to be ready, not only for Christmas, for the rest of my life by acknowledging, believing, trusting in, having full confidence with, whatever word you want to use, in Jesus being the Savior and the Lord, and I want Him to be my Savior and my Lord. Will you all bow with me just for a moment? We're going to close in a word of prayer. And I do want to ask, is there anyone here that's, if you were just being totally honest and it's just, just God and, and you looking around, is anybody here not ready for Christmas? I mean in the spiritual way. If you're not ready for Christmas, will you just raise your hand and just put it down real quickly if you're not ready for Christmas? Well, I, what I want to do for you this morning, if you're not ready, is give you the opportunity to make that choice to be ready. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want you to be the one who forgives me of my sin because of what you did on the cross for me. I want you to lead my life. I'm tired of leading my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life right now. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
And if you prayed that prayer this morning and really meant it and believed it in your heart, then, then God answered that.